We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Titans. Welcome, everyone, into another episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and with me, as always, is Justin Mello. How you doing today, Justin? It's the middle of the offseason. I'm doing well. Excited to talk Titans football, as all as we do every single week. Let's do it. That's what we do, rain or shine, offseason or in-season. And today we are going to start a new series where we're going to just talk about our upcoming expectations for the 2021 season for the Titans from a position by position standpoint. So today we are going to be discussing our expectations for the Titans tight ends this season. And next week we'll do another position group and another one after that until we've done all of them. And then training camp will be here. But for now, we are going to talk about the tight ends. We have a tiny bit of news to discuss first, just because we haven't mentioned it yet. This is kind of old-ish news now. We just we didn't really talk about it last week. So I'm going to ask you what your thoughts are on the Oilers' uniforms potentially being worn by the Titans as the NFL has finally approved a second helmet for teams to be worn this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love it. I mean, first of all, I don't know what took so long. It seems like every fan in the league wants. I mean, who is opposed to this? Who is against this? I don't think there's any fans that would say, I don't want teams to wear their throwbacks. And if they are, they are not the life of the party. I promise you that. But I'm excited that they finally reversed this rule. And the Titans players are excited. You know, you saw Derrick Henry clamoring for it months ago. Taylor Lewan's always kind of talked about it on and off. So it's a good thing. The Oilers' colors are gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's one of the best color schemes we've ever seen uh, on an NFL uniform. So it's going to be great to see the guys in them. Unfortunately, it probably won't be in 2021, right? It uh, seems like it's a 2022 thing. And even then, there's a weird loophole uh, that's going around that apparently could prevent teams like the Titans and the Buccaneers and a few others uh, wearing them as, as soon as the other teams get to. But whatever it is, whenever it happens, 2022, Heck, maybe 2023, uh, we're going to see the Titans in, in Oilers uniforms uh, within the next two years. And that's really exciting to me. Uh, can't wait to see them rock those gorgeous, gorgeous color schemes. Yeah, it's just one of those dumb NFL things that doesn't really make sense about. I think it, this one has to do with like the pants that teams can only wear. They have to like submit what you first you have to submit your uniforms for the season to the NFL for approval way in advance. So like that includes your home, your away and your alternate. And your alternate could be a throwback or it could be like the Titans wear the baby blue throwback or not throwback, baby blue alternate as opposed to the navy blue home and the white away or I said that backwards, but whatever. It doesn't matter. There's three jerseys. You get three jerseys for the season. You have to submit them way in advance. And the time for submitting uniform combinations for 2021 has already passed. And then in 2022, they have to be able to wear this alternate pant that would go with the Oilers jersey as opposed to the standard pants that they have with their other uniform combinations. So they have to get those approved. So it's just a dumb NFL jersey rule thing where it could be a little longer than we hope. But yes, very exciting. Hopefully Derrick Henry is still in the prime of his career by the time the Titans get to actually wear them so we can see him breaking off some long runs in those 
jerseys because otherwise, I mean, you never know. Running back careers end out of nowhere. And if it takes until 2023, um, who knows what could happen there. But I just want to see Derrick Henry score a 90-yard touchdown in the Oilers throwbacks in oh. Houston, you know. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the tight ends because the Titans made some massive changes at that position this season. Seems like forever ago, the Titans' only real receiving threat on the team was tight end Delaney Walker. He has since left the team. He's not really officially retired yet. There's some rumors out there. So I want to start with Delaney Walker. We've touched on it a little bit. But if we're going to go with expectations for the position group this year, the first question is, do you expect Delaney Walker to be part of the group? No, me neither. No, I, I mean, I don't even think it's a question. I don't, I don't even think it's a possibility to be honest Same. with you. Same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hope he finds his way back into the NFL. I mean, he had a workout with the San Francisco 49ers a couple weeks ago. Uh, they also worked out form, uh, former Titan tight end Michael Pruitt, and they signed Pruitt. So uh, probably not a great sign for Walker and how that workout went. But he was also at that t- I don't know if it was a tight end university thing. Uh, that George Kittle had down in Nashville. He he attended there with some of the top tight ends in the league. So, and he was running routes and he was helping coach guys up and give tips. So he's clearly very interested in, in resuming his NFL career. And I hope that he does. I would love to see him land somewhere and get one final opportunity, but it's, it's, it's not going to be here in Nashville. I agree with you. And while you're on the subject of tight ends that used to play for the Titans, let's talk about them. Michael Pruitt, you mentioned John U. Smith, both of these guys departed in the offseason, signing elsewhere. Jonu Smith, a huge contract in New England. Michael Pruitt, a late free agency signing. Some discussions with the Titans about coming back, but I don't think the money was uh, – the Titans didn't really want to pay, I guess, what Michael Pruitt wanted to get. And so he's off to San Francisco to run pretty much the same position in a similar offense. So now the Titans are going to be relying on players like Anthony Ferkser, Jeff Swaim to carry the the major load at tight end. The rest of the position group includes undrafted free agents like Miller Forrestal and Briley Moore, undrafted free agent veterans like Tommy Hudson, Jared Pinckney. These guys with very, very, very little NFL experience. What are your expectations for this group now that Jonu Smith, Michael Pruitt are gone? I'll just remind everybody what their statistics were last season. Jonu Smith had 41 catches, for 448 yards and eight touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown. And uh, Michael Pruitt had five catches for 49 yards, but two touchdowns. So as a group, the tight ends last season totaled 94 catches for 967 yards and 12 receiving touchdowns. Do you think the group will do that again, statistically better or match that this upcoming season without Johnny Smith? No, I, I don't think they will. And I think that's probably obvious uh, with, with John Smith gone and then adding someone like Julio Jones. Uh, there's no way I think the tight end statistics repeat what they were last year. It's such an interesting conversation about this group because and I'm, I may sound silly here, but it, it almost feels like an odd occurrence where you can say this group is going to look so different while at the same time, the number one and two tight ends were here last year. Right? It's almost an odd situation where you feel they're going to look quite different, yet Anthony Furster and Jeff Swain were here. So how different is it? It is different. It isn't. That's how I feel about the group in general. Uh, I don't think statistically we'll be as good as they were last year. And, and that's not exactly to a fault because the acquisition of Julio Jones, I mean, it's going to change things, right? How the ball is spread around. So 
expectations are, uh, I don't know where to place him with this group. I'll be honest. I, I really don't. Ferks are becoming a tight end one. They've never asked him to block before. How does he handle that? Do they, they, surely they asked him to block more, right, this season than they ever have. Is that something he could handle? Jeff Swaim, to me, you know, I got nothing against Swaim. I was a little surprised they chose him over Michael Pruitt. That's kind of what it feels like in a sense, right? Certainly, you know, they're very similar players. You're probably going to bring one back and not the other. With Prue being here as long as he was and Swaim kind of coming in late uh, August last season, it was a bit of a surprise he made the team, but he stuck all throughout, made some contributions. It was a minor surprise to me that they picked him over Prue. Well, they bring him back. He's the number two tight end. Uh, can he expand what he does? Again, similar to Prue, he's a great run blocker. Uh, not really a big-time weapon in the passing game. How do they manage those expectations? What do they ask him to do? So this group, to me, is is really, really interesting, and, and I'm not totally sure where to place my expectations. Yeah, it's interesting. I agree. I think it. you're almost looking at Ferkser kind of being elevated to Jonu Smith's position, and I want to say Jeff Swain being elevated to Michael Pruitt's position. Pruitt did miss some time last year with the COVID list stuff and i think he he had like a tweaked ankle at one point as well and i want to tell you some stats that might surprise you because they surprised me when i saw this swaim actually had nine catches for 83 yards pruitt five catches for 49 yards swaim almost doubled him in receptions and yards now pruitt had two touchdowns swaim only had one touchdown but that's just more production than i would have guessed from jeff swaim last year so maybe they think he can step up and you know take on both of their productions and and put output that next year with Ferkser Ferkser last year 39 catches 387 yards one touchdown I think I would expect the touchdown number to go way up I would expect anywhere from four to six touchdowns from Ferkser this year 387 yards that seems like about the right range 400 ish yards for Ferkser he was also out there at tight end you getting getting uh tips and tricks learning from the top tight ends in the league you know that was put on by George Kittle Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson those are the three guys who teamed up to put the event on at George Kittle's giant ranch in Nash outside of Nashville so that's pretty cool that he got the invite and that he there was uh, the Titans Twitter account posted some cool pictures of him out there looked like he was getting getting some good work in obviously and so you hope that he can take that next step now with what would be a bigger role again like you said they never asked him to block will they ask him to block i think almost certainly they're gonna at least try and if he fails then you start to think about what how to adapt from there and when you're gonna use jeff swaim and when you're gonna use ferkser and how to not telegraph what the offense is doing when one guy's on the field and the other's not etc cetera, etc cetera. but I don't know. Like you said, who knows what we're going to see here. I definitely think the ball is going to be passed to the wide receiver position more, particularly in the red zone. So 12 touchdowns as a total from this group last year, that's that's a pretty high number to me. I expect it probably will be in single digits this season, just given who the players are. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think if you get eight touchdowns from this tight end group, you are satisfied. You are you are thrilled with getting eight touchdowns, I, I would say, from this group. It, it could be less, truthfully, and I agree it'll be yeah. in single digits, but eight would have me clapping my hands. That, that's great. Great. Last question about this group. Do the Titans add another player, like a significant player, not a practice squad level player? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. I think they'll, they should probably be on the lookout for the possibility Things are a little tight cash-wise. It's not like they have a bunch of money. 
Uh, to do so, doesn't OJ Howard become available? We've seen him working out with Derrick Henry a lot recently. Not that yeah. it really means anything, but it's been cool to see. Bam, so, Derrick, I saw him working out with Julio. I know what you're going to say, right? Yeah. For the Julio trade, he's working out with Julio a lot. So now he's been he working out, out with OJ. He works out with former Bama players. That's just what they do. That's a great point, obviously. Uh, but um, OJ Howard, does he become available? Does Zach Ertz become available? Uh, Jesse James is still out there. Tyler Eifert. I don't know how significant those last two would be. Uh, a guy like Ertz, I don't think makes a ton of sense from a perspective that he can't really block, right? I, I don't know how much you're adding to this group by adding another primary pass catcher or signing another primary pass catcher like Zach Ertz. Uh, the real interesting question to me here, and this may not be as exciting for uh, unless you're a hardcore fan, but if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are a hardcore Titans fan, is do they carry four tight ends again? A, they did so for most of last season. Uh, and B, if they do, who occupies those spots if they don't add someone? Or do they carry three? Do they trim back on that number from what they did last year? You've got second-year UDFA and Tommy Hudson. You've got a couple of uh, first-year UDFAs, of course, and Briley Moore and Miller Forrestall. And you got the uh, Vanderbilt legend, uh, Jared Pinkney, who uh, <laughs> unfortunately has not really settled into a role in the NFL, and he's been cut from quite a few teams. So if they carry four, I mean, two of those guys are going to make the roster if they don't add a veteran, as we just discussed. Right. Yeah, I think they probably carry three and look to stash somebody on the practice squad i think four is a large number when they're not a bunch of established guys when you're just like a bunch of guys that you're hoping become something like that's in my opinion what the practice squad is pretty much for right yeah i think you bring up a good point i don't think you carry four last year if you don't have veterans you trust like pruitt and swain so i agree unless they add another veteran here uh, they probably only carry three. And then that makes it interesting. Uh, again, Tommy Hudson, Briley Moore, uh, Miller Forrestal, one spot. I think Pinkney's, Pinkney, excuse me, is probably the least likely to make the roster uh, out of all those guys. So if there's only one spot, uh, then things get really uh, heated in training camp and you've got one spot for three players. That's right. And that's what the competition's all about. Competition breeds the best, brings out the best in everyone. So hopefully that's what the plan is there. Before we get out of this episode, I threw it out on Twitter. I wanted to hear what some of the listeners thought and their expectations for the 2021 tight ends this year. So I'm going to read some and get your take on what you think about some of these expectations that the fans have out there. Maybe a little unrealistic sometimes, but that's how being a fan is, right? So start here with at uh, Canadian underscore Titan Bud Dupree Stan account says, I expect Anthony Ferkser to be a bleep bleep superstar, Mr. Room. Our offense is going to be amazing, and I expect Ferkser to be a massive part of that. Eight touchdowns, 600-plus yards, one million-plus fanboys. What do you think? <laughs> I do love the enthusiasm. I think the 600 yards and eight touchdowns is probably a little on the high end. Uh, I settle in more with your expectations. I think about 400, maybe 450 yards. And I can see him catching five, six touchdowns. Look, he's a great route runner. Uh, we've seen it. We saw the touchdown against Kansas City in the regular season a few years ago. Of course, the big one against New England uh, in the playoffs to open the scoring there. Good route runner, good target in the red zone, big time weapon there. Uh, I, I do think about 450 yards and five, six touchdowns is, is a good realistic expectation for him. I agree. Our, our buddy Zach, football and other F-words, says that Jeff Swain will block some, Ferkser will catch some, and then Jeff will also catch some, and then Ferkser will also block some. So I think that's a pretty accurate prediction there. 
You know what? Uh, I've never ever <laughs> called Zach the voice of reason uh, in my life, but I think that's probably a pretty good take. Look, look at you, Zach. You're you're growing up. It's it's right before our eyes. It's amazing to see. <laughs> Austin Cherry kind of agrees with the Ferkser hype. He says Ferkser could have a breakout season, sort of like Robert Tunyon last year. I would say he goes for five to six hundred yards, and in a high-scoring offense, six to eight touchdowns. He's not the only one who has high expectations for Ferkser. Matt DeJong says Ferkser will step it up this season and no one will spend much time missing Janu. So that brings up a point that has kind of circulated on Twitter. You know, back before free agency opened, when I thought Janu Smith was definitely going to be re-signed by the Titans, I, I thought, you know, he was a pretty irreplaceable part of the offense. Now, Titans fans have talked themselves into the idea that they will not miss him at all. Where do you land on this? Will the Titans miss Johnny Smith? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm loving all this enthusiasm that's pouring in from our listeners, and everyone seems ready to see uh, Ferkser make this 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 huge leap. And I do think he's going to have a good season. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I think if you take off the two tone glasses for one second. Uh, I mean, it'd be tough to say they don't miss John U. Smith. I think that versatility, Ferkser's probably working hard on his blocking right now. They're going to ask him to do more than they ever have in that area. But I have a hard time, uh, you know, believing that he takes this giant leap as a blocker and offers the team the same versatility that's lost in John U. Smith. Smith was a pretty good blocker. I mean, if Ferkser even gets to 75% of the way there, right, of the type of blocker that John U. Smith was, I think that's a W right, for the coaching staff. And I, I bet you Mike Rabel would sign up for that. So I, I do think they'll miss John New Smith a little bit and they'll miss that versatility. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, it won't seem that way because I do expect this offense to keep humming along. I don't think uh, losing Smith, uh, going from Smith to Furtzer cripples this offense. All of a sudden they're scoring 17 points a game. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I still think they're going to be one of the best offenses in all of football. So if you look at it from a grand scheme of things, you may be able to see that. But when I think you get it down to the the finer details and you put a microscope on the film, uh, I do think they're going to miss John Smith's versatility a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, like you don't have a tight end that you're going to hand it off to out of the backfield now, but you do have Darrington Evans. You do have a lot of offensive weapons uh, at other positions, just not as many now at the tight end position. Last comment I'm going to read here is about not about Ferkser. Jacob Sane at Jay Sanity says, my only expectation is Miller Forrestal makes the final cut. Dude has great size and reliable hands, plus the professionalism we're looking for. And we know Nick Saban prepares his players at Alabama for the NFL. So do you think Miller Forrestal is the one who makes the the final cut here out of the UDFA tight ends? Is it Tommy Hudson or Briley Moore? Do you have a prediction? I'll say this. Uh, first of all, who was that comment from? Jacob Sane, S-A-I-N. Yeah. Jacob, thanks for listening, number one. Number two, you're clearly a bit of a Miller Forrestall fan, and I applaud it, and I hope that you've taken time uh, to head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and read my interview with Miller uh, that just went live about a week, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago maybe. Uh, so hopefully you read that. Uh, I agree that Miller is a professional. 6'5", 244, good size like you mentioned. Uh, had a couple receiving touchdowns. I think it was 2019 specifically where he had four receiving touchdowns. Showed a little bit of his ability there in the red zone. Used his size to his advantage. This past year they used him a lot more as a blocker uh, more than anything. Didn't get as many opportunities um, uh, to, 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 to catch the ball in the red zone specifically. But he did set career highs in receptions and yards 
uh, in 2020. So good for him. I think he's got a decent chance to make the team. I will say that. I do want to end by making, I don't know if you can call it a bold prediction, uh, but where I will slightly disagree with Jacob there is if I'm picking one of these tight ends to make the roster from the group that we've kind of discussed tonight, I'm going to go with Tommy Hudson just off the fact that he's a second year guy. Uh, He's been in this offense. He's been with the team for a year. He understands the expectations. He knows the playbook. Well, Uh, I can really see him, Tommy Hudson being the guy that probably has the inside track on that final tight end roster spot, but I love it, Jacob. And I certainly would not rule out uh, Miller Forrestal making the roster. In fact, while everyone was so excited about Briley Moore, I do think if one of them make the roster being more uh, or Forrestal, I'm going to go with Forrestal. I will say that. I agree. I'm picking Forrestal between him and Briley Moore. And I know Briley Moore has a lot of fans out there too, but Ultimately, I also agree that Tommy Hudson is the one of the three I would say has the upper leg. And the other guys could end up on the practice squad where they'll have plenty of chances to continue to impress the coaching staff. I would expect they probably only keep one, so they're probably all competing against each other. Um, But that's it. That'll do it. We did it. Expectations for the tight ends. Next week, we will hit a different position group. I'll tweet out a tweet again asking for your expectations so we can get into some of those as well and have a little bit of that interactivity going on. But that's it for this particular episode. Make sure you guys are checking out broadwaysportsmedia.com where Justin has UDFA interviews up. You mentioned Miller Forrestal. We've got other articles and just basically everything Titans coverage going on there as well as plenty of Nashville SC coverage and international soccer coverage as well from the guys at Speedway over there on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Make sure you're following Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. And I want to say, everyone, have a great 4th of July weekend. Drink plenty of water. It's going to be hot out there all around the country and especially up there in Canada. What's going on in Canada? You got 114 degree heat waves and stuff? What is oh, this? Oh, man, I didn't even know that you, you knew about it. But uh, I, I mean, I went for a... <laughs> I went out this morning just for a walk, hoping it was early enough uh, to get out there and and get in what what I like to call lazy exercise. I'm more of a walker than anything else, but it was hot out there, man. I I went for about a maybe a 30 minute walk. And by the time I got home, I I can't tell you, man, I was drenched. It was, it (laughs) it looked like I had done an intense workout and I was wearing some breathable, you know, Nike dry fit and all kinds. And it was just, I got home soaked. I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I had to take my shirt off. It was almost see-through. It was just, it, it, it's bad. It's bad out. I was walking leisurely, may I add. It is really hot here in Toronto right now. Really, really hot. Well, have a great American Independence Day holiday, Justin. <laughs> and uh, I, You know, I'll have a drink for all my American friends. I'll cheer to the Americans. Happy 4th of July. Everyone have a great weekend and be safe. Be safe, stay cool, wear sunscreen, and uh, don't spread the uh, Delta variant of COVID, right? Uh, by the <laughs> way, right? you could also, you know, you could be polite too. I know us Canadians have a better reputation of being polite, but our day is July 1st. So Canada Day is coming up just a few days before the 4th of July. I'm just saying it would have been kind of nice if you gave that a little shout out too. Well, well, we happy. got Canadian Titan. You're reading comments from Canadian Titan, Bud Dupree. I'm Canadian. Let's give a shout out to July the 1st as well. Yeah, happy O Canada Day on July 1st. That would have been yesterday if you're listening to this podcast, the day it comes out on Friday, July 2nd. But happy day to you yesterday, Justin. Happy day to America on uh, whatever, I guess, Sunday is the 4th. And uh, yeah, anyway, that'll do it. This has been a long outro. So we're going to sign off here. 
Until next week, you guys stay safe and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.